Well, this morning, I, am, uh, I, I, I was joking with my wife this week. I said, look, I, this week, we're getting into Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to talk about wives on, on this Sunday. And as I look around the room, word must have got out what we were preaching on. I don't know. you know. So, uh, so number one, let me just say this. If you're here, uh, God bless you. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife led by example and said, I'm out of here. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not coming to church when uh, you're preaching on wives. And so she went with some friends to the beach, and so, and so there you go. I guess the rest of our church did as well. Uh, but for those of you, and I'm sure she's live streaming right now. Uh, anyways, I need to stop. Okay, so, <laughs> so we're, in, we're in week two of a series called Relationship Restart. Relationship Restart, and, and, and so we started this series last week, and we talked about how you know, many times in our relationships, our, our relationships are a lot like our cell phone. Man, they run for a while, and if we don't pay any attention to it, uh, before long, it starts developing a glitch, and it starts slowing down, uh, it starts getting buggy, uh, phone, phone calls start dropping, text messages don't go through, you can't check your status on Facebook or Instagram posts. Listen, and, and, and over time, that communication device begins to fail you, and really the quick fix, and, and really the main fix, many times, is just a restart. Like, if you just restart the device... What happens is that the device is forced to, write or to run the code of the software, and it reboots, and then generally speaking, that fixes like 95% of the glitches in your device. And, and so, you know, we kind of made the illustration last week that, that in our relationships, you know, we, we get glitches, we get communication problems, we, we have dysfunction in our relationships, and what we really need to do is just kind of let God do a reset in our mind, in our heart, and run the code of God's word and allow it to be written back into our minds and into our hearts so that we operate in our relationships according to God's word. And that, that's the whole point of this, this little series. And so we, we're starting in Colossians chapter 3. And if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. Uh, of course, the verses will be on the screen. But let me read Colossians 3, verses 18 through chapter 4 and verse 1. So the Bible says, verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves under your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. By the way, husbands, come back next week, all right? Uh, two weeks, actually, because Brian will be here next week, and so uh, two weeks we'll deal with the husbands. Uh, verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things. All the parents said amen right there. There we go. Uh, For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. In chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And so what God does in this portion of Scripture is God gives us six relationships in which we need the code of God's Word to be executed in our hearts and minds. And and it does follow a very precise order, wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants, and then masters. And so we skipped ahead last week because it was Father's Day. We kind of broke uh, protocol, so to speak, and we, we talked about fathers, but this week, we're going to go back in order the way God gave it to us. And so, ladies, you're up this morning. 
And uh, I can tell you're super excited about it, right? Everybody's a little anxious this morning. And so I'm sure that you're, if you're married, your husband said, man, we got to be at church on time today, right? I mean, he, he just said, look, you, you got to get here early on time because your husband knew what we were talking about. And so you made sure that your wife was here on time. Uh, wives, you, maybe you took those notes from last week, but you were able to read ahead and you saw what was coming. And so listen, uh, husbands, let me just warn you, if you write down every single thing and use it as leverage against your wife, it's not going to help you. <laughs> it's not going to help you at all. So let me just, I'm trying to inject some, some, some life and truth into your marriage. Uh, and so men, uh, make sure that you also plan to come in two weeks as husbands uh, we need to talk about what our role is in our relationships. And so uh, Colossians 3 and verse 18, one verse, but we're going to skip around a little bit in the Bible because this same principle shows up in several locations. Verse 18 says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it's fit in the Lord. So that's our text this morning. Let's pray and ask God to bless us. Father, we need you. Uh, Lord, we thank you again that your grace is greater than all our sin. What a powerful song. Uh, and it's, it's greater than all our sin, not some of it, not, not, not the small sins. Father, it's greater than all of it. And Father, it's your kindness that draws us to you. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you so much that, that Father, if we're willing to receive your forgiveness and we can just come to, come to you and humble ourselves, Father, you're ready and able to forgive and to help us move on and, and move forward in life with, with you, walking with you. I thank you, thank you so much for Jesus Christ and, and his, sin, his sacrifice for our sin on the cross of Calvary. And, and Lord, this morning, uh, help us to receive what your word has to say for, for every wife in this room. But, but even more broadly, we as born-again believers are the bride of Christ. We're all a part of the, the body of Christ. We're part of the bride of Christ if we're saved. So we have some instruction for us today as well. And so, Lord, help us to receive it. We love you, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, five points in your notes. Number one, the significance of submission. The significance of submission. I know that word is not popular in our culture, but that's okay. God uses it, and God uses it very clearly. And, and let's talk about why this issue of submission, as it relates to wives, is so important. And the reason why, I think, is, is in your notes. I put this as a key point. Submission is the first relationship requirement that God instructs us on in this passage. And, and so it's first, and, and I think God does things kind of in order. God does things according to his uh, eternal purpose. And, and listen, he, he puts things in order for a reason. And so this thing of submission is dealt with first in all of these relationships. Why? Why is it first? Well, I think it's first because what God is talking about with wives and, and ultimately husbands, because wives go with husbands, right? He's talking about a marriage relationship. He's talking about a marriage relationship. And, and many times it has been said, as the marriage goes, so goes the home. And as the home goes, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the community and the city and the nation. Now, if you work that process backwards, would you agree that, man, as we look at our nation, our city, our community, and let's be honest, even our churches, we need help. <laughs> we need a restart, man, in our relationships. We need, we need, we need to understand how God's way of doing things is, is the right way. Listen, biblical marriages and biblical families are uniquely designed to carry out the Great Commission. 
and to reach the world with the gospel. And that is the point. Remember, Paul is writing this epistle of Colossians to the believers, to the saints and faithful brethren in Colossae. So he's writing to Christian wives. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense, right? Okay, you can, you can talk. I know we're live streaming, man, but you can act normal around here. They, they, those people can't see you right now. Give me some feedback. Listen, listen. because of, of the fact that he is writing to Christian wives, Christian husbands, Christian children, the point is the goal of the Great Commission has to be in focus. And so wives, listen, what God is going to instruct you in this morning specifically has to do with your ability to fulfill the Great Commission with your husband. And husbands, in a couple of weeks, what God is going to tell us to do has a direct tie-in to the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. Don't lose the context of the point of the passage. And so, man, we need help. Our marriages need help. Our churches need help. And, and so God's going to give us the help that we need. Now, as we work through those six relationships, again, they do follow an order of submission and authority because the husband is the head of the home and the head of the wife. Wives are to submit to the husband. And then children are to submit to their parents. And then the fathers have a role to lead their home. And servants are always in submission and under the authority of masters. We'll talk about what that means in just a couple of weeks. But even masters, Colossians 4 and verse 1 says that masters are under God's authority. So God is the ultimate authority. This whole passage has everything to do with God's order of authority and structure in our relationships. And that's not a bad thing because God is a God of order. And so God kicks this thing off with this issue of submission, and he's talking about a marriage relationship, a marriage relationship. Do you know that when you open your Bible, Genesis chapter 2, the Bible opens with a marriage, with a husband and a wife relationship. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 says this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And listen, that, that is Adam and Eve. I mean, listen, in the very beginning, God's design, God's point is that, man, right out of the chute, the first relationship that existed outside of Christ and Adam was Christ, Adam, and Eve. It was a marriage. And listen, he had a purpose for that marriage. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Do you know that the first miracle that Jesus Christ did in his earthly ministry found in John chapter 2 happened at a wedding? At a wedding. John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. A husband and a wife. Verse 11 says this beginning of miracles, and of course that's the miracle of, of Jesus turning the water to wine, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. You say, why is that important? God wants to show you something very significant. The Bible opens with a marriage, a husband and a wife. The first miracle that Jesus, God records for us in his word in Jesus' earthly ministry is at a wedding, a husband and a wife. Why is that important? Because listen, the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you entered into a marital covenant with him. You entered into that type of relationship 
with him. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, For this call shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one, for, one flesh. Ephesians 5 is pulling the same passage out of or, excuse me, Genesis chapter 2. And, and many times we go to Ephesians 5 to learn about marriage. You know, it talks about the wife and her responsibility. It talks about the husband, his responsibilities. And we kind of land there when we teach marriage conferences and marriage material. But listen, when you get to verse 32, God tells you that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about husbands and wives in our human relationship. He says in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so the point is, I mean, the point is, all of this stuff about husbands and wife really point to the one relationship that we have with Jesus Christ the moment that we get saved. And we enter into this type of relationship with him. And that's why, again, God begins with wives. And, and so wives don't feel bad that God starts here. Uh, the reason he starts here is because every one of us that are born again, we're in that type of relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, and so whether you're in a marriage and you happen to be the wife or whether you're a man in the room and you're born again, we are the bride of Christ. That is the relationship. And, and, and listen, God has a very distinct directive for us, and it is that we need to submit ourselves. And so let me give you the definition. It's on the screen. It's not in your notes, but you can write it down. Literally, the word submit, as it's used in the context, is a willing yielding, a willing yielding of, of oneself under the authority or, or leadership of another. And that word submit comes from, from kind of two, you know, the prefix of that is sub, which means under, like submarine, right? Underwater. Sub, under, submit or submission means under the mission. So it's not a derogatory term. It's not a negative term. It's not something that's unreasonable that, that any of us can achieve. Actually, it's a willing yielding of ourselves under the authority or leadership of another. That's what it is. Let me say this about submission. Listen, submission is something that has to be willingly offered. And whether you're a wife trying to learn how to submit to your husband, or whether you're a Christian learning how to submit to your one husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, your submission has to be willingly offered. It can't be forced. It can't be taken. Uh, it can only be offered. Nobody can, you know... Years ago, man, when I was uh, in Decatur, we, we had a group of uh, young guys that would always watch like um, MMA fights on Saturday night. That was kind of our thing. You know, the UFC was really starting to take off. And uh, so Saturday nights at my house was always cooking out, lots of barbecue, and then pay-per-view UFC fights. I mean, that's what it was. And what was interesting, I don't know, you're like, man, you're really screwed up. Okay, so I am. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, man. I mean, I, I enjoyed two dudes just kind of getting in the ring and going after each other, you know. And what was interesting in the UFC is, is the same thing, that there's a spiritual parallel because those guys could go after each other and they could grapple, they could, you know, uh, wrestle, they could strike, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, especially if those guys were trained in uh, jiu-jitsu and some of those other things, man, listen, if a guy got another guy on the ground and had him in a submission hold, well, the guy that's getting beaten has to make a choice to submit. He doesn't have to tap out. And the guy that has gained the superior position and is hurting him, 
I mean, he's at that guy's mercy, but he can't make that guy submit. He may choke him out till he, he passes out. He may break his arm. He may break his leg. But the guy has to choose to submit because submission can never be forced. It can never be taken. And there's plenty of guys, man, that walked out of that octagon. Some of them didn't walk out. They were carried out because they were passed out, you know. There were plenty of them that, that got carried out with broken arms, broken legs, broken everything because they just had in their mind, I'm not going to submit no matter what. So mission always has to be offered. It has to be given. And so, and so listen, we understand that. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 13, it's on the screen. Look, we, we deal with submission to authority in all areas of life, not just in the context of marriage. You drove to church today. Well, some of you drove to church today. There's these nice white signs on the highway that have a number on it, and it says speed limit. And, you know, you, and you think the same thing about that number that I think about it. That's really a low number. <laughs> if I were making the sign, I would have put a much higher number on that sign than what they chose to put on that. But that's an ordinance. That's a law, right? But nobody is like making your car only go that speed limit. You have to willingly choose, I'm going to submit to that or I ain't submit to that. <laughs> you know, I'm late for church. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever got anybody out of the speeding ticket. Does that work for you guys when you're late for church? Does it? No, probably not. First Peter 2, verse 13, right? Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, okay? Whether it be to the king of supreme or unto governors, unto them that are sent uh, by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So look, uh, speed limit signs, red lights, laws, law enforcement, taxes. I mean, listen, we all understand what it means to willingly submit. We all do. God establishes all authority. And so, and so listen, the significance of submission is because Christian wives are, are to willingly submit yourselves to your husband's leadership. By the way, it doesn't say if your husband is saved or not. Okay? And, and, and we're going to get to that in just a second. And that may be hard, and I understand that. But, but God's going to, I hope by the end of this, encourage you that you have the greatest opportunity to win your husband to Christ in a, in a, in a right way. But, but listen, not, let's go beyond just Christian wives. Let's talk about the church. We, as the bride of Christ, are to willingly yield ourselves to our husband's leadership. And our husband is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's so significant this is where God starts. This is where God starts in these relationships. Okay, so, so let's go to the second point because it's significant. I want to show you the selectivity of submission. The selectivity of submission. Today's points are brought to you by the letter S. You're welcome. Uh, the selectivity of submission. Okay, so look back at the verse, Colossians 3 and verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So the parallel passage to that is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. God says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And so here's the key point that you want to get. Submission is to be to your own husband, to your own husband. And, and this is, again, there's, a, there's an immediate application to every wife but there's also a broader application to every member of the body of Christ, and we're going to hit both of those. And so here's the danger. Here's the danger in our marriages. The danger is 
that wives, if you're not careful, and, and I'm talking about Christian wives, this is not a moral compass or guideline for lost people. The Bible is not a moral compass for everybody. This is a book that's written primarily to save people. And so the instruction is to save people that are born again and followers of Jesus Christ. And the danger in our culture, in our churches is, especially amongst Christian wives, it's not uncommon that a wife would be more submissive maybe to her father than to her own husband. Okay? And that, that, listen, that relationship was, was a right relationship for so many years. God tells us that as a father, listen, he is the authority over his home. And, and as, you know, as a dad of daughters, <laughs> I exercise that authority and, and expect you know, responsibility and reverence and all those things. And, and I love my girls, but there's going to come a day. I'm praying for the rapture to come before this day. <laughs> but if the rapture doesn't come, there's going to be a day where, by the grace of God, I walk those girls down an aisle and hand over them to another man. And I'll threaten that man within an inch of his life. You heard it here first. And I got Alex and some of my other buddies to back it up. We'll get him. But man, listen, her, 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 her God-given requirement now is to become submissive to him. Does that, does that make sense? Because he now is the head of his wife. And, and, and so listen, if we're not careful... If we're not careful, even as Christian wives, we'll be more submissive to our father who probably was a good man and who we reverence, and we should. But, but if, we, if we reverence him and submit to him more than we submit to our own husband, well, we got that thing backwards a little bit. God, God says, no, now he is the head of the home and the head of the marriage. It's also not uncommon to have Christian wives that, that maybe are more submissive to their boss or, or to the employer than their own husband. And again, man, listen, uh, nothing wrong with, with, you know, having a job and working outside of the home. I think God allows for that, certainly in the Bible. But, but, but the issue is a, willing, a willingness to yield yourself to that authority and not to your husband's authority. That, that's backwards. That's, that's not the way God designed it. And even in church world, and listen, man, this is even hard for me to say, but, but in, in church world, sometimes Christian wives are, are even more submissive to their pastor than their own husband. Now listen, your pastor ought to be teaching you what God's Word says, and you are to submit to God's Word in your life, but, but part of that is also submitting to your husband and, and following under his leadership, saved or not. Now listen, where you draw the line, of course, is anything that's not biblical, man, because ultimately you have to submit to Christ. But man, when you look at every instance where God talks about this issue of wives submitting, it is always spelled out to your own husband, to your own husband. I gave you the references, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, Titus 2, 1 Peter 3. And you might say, man, listen, I know there, there's wives, if they haven't turned off the, the, the YouTube stream already, pastor, you just don't know my husband. <laughs> I mean, if he were more like fill in the blank, I would have no problem submitting to him. Okay. And, and sometimes the name that we even put in the blank is Jesus, right? Like if he were more like Jesus, well, I wouldn't have any problem submitting to him. Well, the truth is, might I contend and disagree with you, uh, that's not true. If he were more like Jesus, you probably wouldn't submit any more than what you do right now. Uh, the truth is that we're all called to submit to Christ. And, and part of the responsibility of a wife in her home is to submit to her husband and, and yield to his authority and leadership, even 
even when it's contrary to what you think. And, and listen, I know, man, there's all these, all these kind of variables that come out of this conversation. But at the end of the day, Christ has never led us astray. And Christ is the one that gives this revelation to us out of Colossians chapter 3. And, and, and listen, man, I'm telling you, God doesn't deal in hypotheticals. In other words, well, if, these, if this criteria is met, it'd be a lot easier for me to obey that passage. That's not the way God works. God doesn't deal in hypotheticals. He deals in rea- reality. That's like saying, if there wasn't COVID, it'd be a lot easier to come to church. Well, listen, it, God doesn't deal in hypotheticals. God has some clear commandments from the scriptures that, that, that supersede any circumstance that we may have to deal with in our life. At the, at the end of the day, we have to decide who we're going to trust. And, and I think we can trust God because he's God, <laughs> and we certainly are not. And so, and so let me make a few points. Uh, did you guys pack a lunch today? Because this, this may take a minute. Okay, so, so listen, let me say something to unmarried women. Maybe you're watching or, or maybe you're a young lady in the room. Let me just say something to, to those of you maybe that aren't yet married. And let me encourage you in the word of, word of the Lord just a second. Uh, in God's economy, uh, God wants you to be really careful who you marry, who you date, who you marry. Uh, because ultimately, this is the calling as a wife. It, it, it's submission to, to a husband's authority and leadership and listen, if you're in a relationship with a guy and, 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 and you're dating this guy, man, and I know you're in love or whatever, uh, you're dating this guy, but listen, if he's not leading you right now in your dating relationship in the will of God, and if he himself is not submitting himself to God's authority in his own life, you might want to run. <laughs> you might want to watch out because that's the kind of guy you're going to marry. That's the kind of guy you're going to marry, and ultimately, God's expectation for you as a saved woman is to be submissive to him. Now listen, I understand, because sin has wrecked our world, that circumstances are not always perfect, and I'll, 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 let me just park that point. I'll come back to it in a second. So unmarried women, make sure you, you, you marry a guy that's going to lead you right. Unmarried men, let me just say a word to you. If you're looking for a wife, you need to look for a good follower. You need to look for somebody who already submits herself to her parental authority. You need to look for someone who submits herself to her employer authority if she's got a job. You need to look for a woman that already submits herself to her pastoral authority and church leadership authority, and ultimately that she submits herself to God's authority. And listen, if, if, if you don't look for that, and then you marry a woman that's struggling in those areas of authority in her life, well, listen, your marriage is going to be a little tough. Now, God is greater than all our sin, amen? Did we sing it? Did we believe it? But I'm telling you, as a saved man and a saved woman, God tells us not to be unequally yoked. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't follow that advice. And then there's other things that we have to consider in our marriages, okay? So, so if you're unmarried, you need to consider that. If you are married, listen, I know how it works, man. Listen, sometimes couples get married, they're both lost, and the gospel gets in. And man, maybe that wife gets saved. And hallelujah, because eternity is forever changed because of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And as wonderful as that is, and that is the most wonderful thing ever, there will still be challenges in that marriage. There will be challenges, but listen, that woman now has the opportunity to have an investment spiritually in that home that was not there before. And all of a sudden, that home becomes the greatest mission field 
there is on this planet. And so I'm just telling you, God works. God's grace is greater than all our sin. And listen, even in those circumstances, God works in a miraculous way. Maybe a man comes to Christ and his wife and his kids haven't come to Christ yet. Listen, there's strong evidence in the Bible that as the man goes, so goes the home. So we need to get the men. And we need to teach them how to lead their home in a way that honors God. But God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2, Paul, Paul writes and he says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So let's talk about the body of Christ. Listen, we only have one husband as born-again believers. We only have one, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if we are born-again believers, we've been espoused to one husband. He is our husband. He is our own husband. And as the church, we are to submit ourselves to him. We have a husband. So the question, the question is, how well do we, as a church, how, how well do we submit ourselves to him? I mean, are we individually and corporately yielding ourselves under his authority? Don't answer out loud. Are we in obedience to his mission? You say, well, I come to church. Well, that's part of it. I'm glad, man. We ought to come to church. But God, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ has a, a purpose for his bride. There's a mission to accomplish. If we are not engaged in that mission, we really aren't submissive. We really are not submissive. You know, the sad reality is in the last two to three months, I've seen more professing Christians submit to every other authority in this world except their one authority, the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll submit to governmental authorities. We'll submit to CDC experts. We'll submit to mayors and to scientists and to any other authority except the one authority, our own husband. So can we say we're really submissive if we don't submit ourselves to his word? I mean, listen, I, it's a question. I don't, are we really submissive to our own husband? Well, Jay, if the circumstances, okay, I get it, man. Look, I know. The issue is, do we submit to him in everything? Number three, the symbolism of submission. The symbolism of submission. We'll, we'll shift into third gear here so we can get going. The symbolism of submission. I want you to look at Ephesians 5, verse 24. So I want you to understand that this thing of husbands and wives is symbolic in the sense that God is trying to communicate a broader picture to the world. Ephesians 5, verse 24 says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Don't you wish the Holy Spirit would have just marked those last three words out, right? <laughs> Could you not move that period like three words back, Lord? No, just, you know, there it is. Okay. But I want you to pay attention to that word as. As the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. And the point is, God uses that word like and as to paint a picture. It's a comparative term. This is like this. This is as this. So when a wife submits to her husband in everything, here's the key point, it paints a picture. It paints a picture when submission happens. And the picture that it paints is Christ and the church. 
And I'm telling you, listen, God is really interested in preserving his pictures. I mean, he wants his picture right because he wants what the lost world to see. He wants them to see the right representation of him. Uh, did you guys watch the news? Or, or Listen, there's a lot of bad news. So I try to find the funny stuff in news because, you know, the news sucks these days. You can't just get on without seeing horrible news. Okay, so last week in Spain, I love this. There was this, there was this artist, uh, excuse me, this, this, this guy that had a, a, a rendition of this famous painting called the Immaculate Conception. Do you guys see this? Throw, throw the first one up there, Derek. So, so this painting, this guy had this, this copy, 17th century painting, supposedly the Virgin Mary. You know, they didn't have iPhones back then. How can you know what she looked like? Get grief, you know. She wasn't American, but anyways, whatever. Okay, so, <clears throat> so this, this painting was, was dated. It was wearing out. It was deteriorating. So the owner of this painting hired somebody to professionally restore this painting to its original state. Because it didn't look like it. it started, you know, crumbling, paint started falling off, all this stuff. So this guy paid like $1,350 to a professional to restore this image. So let me show you the first attempt. <laughs> $1,300 later from a professional restorer, and this, what it, this is what it looked like. Now, obviously, the guy was unsatisfied, so the owner requested a do-over, called in the same professional, gave him more money, and said, no, you got to do better. This is not good enough. And so this was the last rendition. <laughs> now, uh, how many art connoisseurs do we have in the room? Okay, listen, listen. Does that look anything like the first picture? I mean... I had some jokes planned for this, but because we're live streaming, I can't, I can't share those. You know, what's painful, leave that up there for a second, Derek. You know, what's painfully, what's painfully obvious is the guy hired the wrong person to restore the picture. He hired the wrong person. I mean, listen, whoever, man, I got a nine-year-old, and I'm, she, she loves art, actually. She has a book, and she sketches stuff out, and it's way better than that. I'm serious. I mean, like, I would have taken the guy's $1,300. Do you understand? Uh, Nora would have, would, have, would have just killed this. Look, and, and listen, the owner of this painting had to be furious, and rightly, rightly so, because, man, it's just not right. Can you imagine what the artist that originally painted that thought? That's not what I intended. <laughs> That's not what I had in mind. This is totally wrong. We know the sad reality is in our marriages, listen, listen, in our marriages, God is the artist. And there's a picture that he absolutely intends our marriages to represent and to communicate. And, and listen, when we move away from what God intends, we may even hire some professionals to fix our marriage. Psychologists, marriage counselors that are trained in secular methodology, our parents, tradition, our Facebook friends. We look for the experts on everything, and the professionals who really aren't professionals, only to mar what God really intended. And I just want to encourage us, listen, the result many times in our marriages looks nothing like the original that God intended. God intended our marriage to look like Christ and the church. That's what it symbolizes. That's what it represents. And, and listen, I wonder 
if the Lord didn't look sometimes at our marriages, and, and might I add, I'm wondering if he doesn't sometimes look at our churches, and instead of seeing what he intended, he sees this. I mean, that's like, that's not even close. And listen, it's got to break God's, God's heart. Our marriages are symbolic. When, when, when wives submit to their husband, it paints the picture of Christ submitting to the church. When churches submit to Christ's lordship and leadership in their life, it paints the picture rightly of a church that submits to his authority and to his lordship. Number four, the sermon of submission. You say, Jay, I've been here for 40 minutes. I thought that's what this was. The sermon of submission. Well, let me, let me also say that when submission is a reality in a wife's life, and when submission is a reality in the church's life, then ultimately, here's your key point, submission becomes evangelistic. It becomes evangelistic. And again, listen, we're, we're going to land in 1 Peter chapter 3, but before we get there, let me, just, let me just say a couple of things. Listen, I know it's hard if you're a Christian wife and you're sitting in the room or watching this and you're married maybe to an unsaved man. Listen, I understand. I understand it's hard. But listen, God, again... And this is the point. God has given you the greatest mission field to be a part of. Maybe you got saved after you got married. Maybe you were not right with the Lord and you became unequally yoked and now you're married and now you're right with the Lord. Okay, God is greater than all our sin. God is greater. And so listen, at the end of the day, can I just tell you that even the church struggles in her submission to the perfect husband. That's why, that's why you can't wait for your husband, husband to be perfect before you submit to him because you have a perfect husband and many times you don't submit to him either. So, so what is God wanting to do through our life? Well, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Likewise, you wives, another way of saying it, be in subjection to your own husbands, your own husbands, right? That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one, by the conversation of the wives. So the any that, would, would, that, that is not obeying the word is the husband who's not saved. And, and we'll make a, a broader application in just a second. But listen, if you has a, have a husband that's not, excuse me, that's not saved, listen, you can actually have a tremendous influence for the gospel in your home. You have a tremendous opportunity to win them to Christ. As a matter of fact, God says that they can be won without the word. They can be won by the conversation of the wife. I thought you just said that, that I don't have to say anything. Or, or How's he going to get won without the word if I'm supposed to use conversation? Well, the word conversation in your King James Bible means your manner of life. It means how you live your life. It's your lifestyle. It's how you communicate through your life choices, through your decisions. Do you know that your decisions communicate something? Many times it communicates more than what you say with your mouth. It has a communication. And so listen, for an unsaved husband, more is going to be caught than is taught, especially with a wife that's trying to win an unbelieving husband. And I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Verse 2 says this, while they, the husbands, behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And so chaste conversation is just a chaste lifestyle. And the fear is not the fear of your husband. The fear is the fear of the Lord. 
And when you live in a way that honors Christ in your home, it's like God takes the volume knob and cranks that thing to, what's it supposed to be? We're cranking it to 11 and ripping the knob off. I'm telling you, when, when, when your chaste conversation coupled with the fear of the Lord becomes a reality in your life, man, God turns that volume up in your home and your husband can't get away from it. It's level 11, gospel being manifest right in front of me all the time. And what's he going to do with that? Well, he's going to do one of two things. Ultimately, he's going to realize God's trying to get his attention or he's going to fight against it. But God's greater than even his sin. And you need to trust God with that. So we need wives that are willing to be an example of the believer. You know, God tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, it's not on the screen, but just listen. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We need wives that are willing to be an example of the believer, not just in word. And and listen, we need a church that's willing to be an example of the believer, not just in word. I mean, we just can't do with what we say. We have to do it in charity and in spirit and in faith and, oh, by the way, in purity. We need to live holy because he is holy. Number five, the shimmer of submission. we got to hurry. Man, I thought we'd be done with this in like you know, 30 minutes, but I guess we're not. The shimmer of submission. Do you know how hard I work to get all these S words, by the way? <laughs> the, 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 the thesaurus became my best friend this week. I was like, man, what does this mean with an S word? It was really hard. The shimmer of submission. Look at verse, uh, 1 Peter 3, verses 5 and 6. So God continues in that 1 Peter 3 chap, chapter, and he says, For after this manner, the, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, trusted in who? It didn't say they trusted in their husbands. They trusted in who? Their husbandmen, ultimately. They adorned themselves being in subjection, you could say submission, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. By the way, that's lowercase l. So she's not calling him God. She's just saying, you're the, you're the head, you're the authority. You, know? you're, you have the leadership role in our marriage. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Okay, so here's the point. Look, when a wife submits, there is a shimmer of submission. In other words, submission is an adorning. It, it's an adorning. It's, it's something that can be seen and beheld. And, and I would say it could be seen and beheld even more than gold than jewelry, than clothing, than getting your hair did. It can be seen even more than that. And, and these holy women, the Bible says they trusted in God. And, and when they did that, they adorned themselves. How did they do that? Well, number one, they submitted to their own husband. They obeyed him. Number two, they trusted in God, not in their husband. They realized that God is greater. <laughs> that God is greater than every circumstance I'm living in. He's greater. So listen, yeah, it ain't ideal, but I don't have to trust in my circumstances. I don't have to trust in my husband. Ultimately, I trust in God. 
And, and, and because of that, that's what adorned themselves with these things. Verses 3 and 4, same chapter, says, Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on apparel. Those are all the external things, right? But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. And I'm telling you, ladies, listen. Beautiful is the woman who adorn herself, adorn herself in the inward man. Beautiful is the woman. Her price is great in God's eyes because you trust in God. Listen, there's nothing more beautiful than that. And I'll say it again. Listen, if you're a single man looking for a wife, you want to find a beautiful woman, find a beautiful woman that submits herself and trusts to God, trusting God. That's the kind of woman that you want to marry. That's the kind of woman you want to marry and lead. Man, listen, you can be that. And, and listen, wives, you can be that. And, and secondly, church, that's who we're called to be. Listen, when the Lord looks at his church, and, and specifically this church, what does he see? Does he see a church focused on the externals? You know, we do a lot of renovation around here. We paint a lot of walls. We change out a lot of light bulbs. We build walls, we add classrooms, we put carpet down, we have nice screens, we have digital projectors, blah, blah, blah. We have live streaming. Listen, I wonder if the Lord doesn't look at our church and say, you know what, you're doing a whole lot of fixing up on the outside, but you're missing the inward man. I think God is more concerned with this church, I know he is more concerned with this church, with our attitude inwardly. Being a submissive church Inwardly, and by the way, a church is made up of its individual members, which means that we have to adorn ourselves inwardly as children of God. Can I just tell you that a church, a church that focuses on inward submission to the Lord's authority, will stand out among other churches. Not because we have a shinier building, not because we have cooler tech, not because we have, you know, nice carpet in the back. Listen, a church that stands out will be a church who has adorned herself inwardly because she trusts in God, because she trusts in God. Lastly, number six, the summation of submission. I say all this to say, <laughs> here is the sum of all things, and, and we're going to get this out of Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. And again, this is another passage that deals with wives being obedient, submitting to their own husband. Can I read it? Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. The Bible says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their own husbands, to, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Here it is, here it is, here it is. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay, that's, if, if there ever were a summary of everything we just said, this is it. God, God just kind of backs up and says, all right, listen, I, I've given you a ton of cross-references, and you can study that thing out about your own husband, and you, know, you can learn all that. But listen, at the end of the day, here's the point. The point is submission ultimately magnifies the Word of God. It magnifies the Word of God. 
At the end of the day, man, the sum of all of this is that the Word of God is not blasphemed. What does that mean? Well, the word blasphemed in your Bible just means to speak evil of or, or to defame, if you will. And, and ladies, again, man, I love you. I'm on your side. I am always on your side. Trust me. But, but a lack of submission by a Christian wife, we have to understand that that blasphemes the Word of God. It blasphemes the Word of God. It defames it. It speaks evil of it. It makes it of none effect. And I don't need a husband to say amen right there because, listen, husband, you are a wife. <laughs> you are the bride of Christ. And, and let me just say that a church that lacks submission to its Lord, it blasphemes the Word of God. It blasphemes the Word of God. It makes it of none effect. And what God is looking for is, is Christian wives to fulfill this calling. And what God is looking for is for Christian people to fulfill this calling. That we would willingly yield ourselves to His will. Because listen, we have a mission to accomplish, church. The mission, the mission is not on pause because of COVID. That's why we're trying to get back to Sunday school that's why we're trying to get back to discipleship and trying to get back to training. You say, man, it's dangerous. It is dangerous. But the mission hadn't changed. The mission hadn't changed. And we have work to do. And what God wants to use is a church that is willingly going to yield themselves to their husband. Do you know that God the Son, who is God in the flesh, yielded his own will to God the Father? God yielded himself to God. You say, man, explain that theologically. That's all I got. That's the best I can do right there. God in the flesh said, Lord, God, Father, look, I don't want to go to the cross, man. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. I mean, even the Son exercised a yielding, a submission to God the Father's will. And the question is for us, will we? Will we? Christian wives, will you submit to your husband, and, 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 and yield yourself willingly under his leadership. And let it be an example of Christ in the church. And let God use your life as, as volume 11 <laughs> with the knob yanked off to get the gospel into your home. And will we as a church, will we submit to what God has for us and fulfill the great commission that God's called us to do? Guys, that's our, that's our challenge for today. So I'm going to begin praying. And then uh, thank you guys for joining us on live stream, those that tuned in. We've got a few more things for those of you that are in person here today, so just sit tight. But I want to pray uh, as we begin our invitation. Father, we love you. Lord, we do thank you for your word. 